Welcome to the Misophonia Podcast. This is episode 19. My name is Adil Mod, and I have misophonia. This week I've got Lindsay from Los Angeles. Miso has been a big part of her life since childhood, as it has with many of us. And it's run in parallel with a lot of other issues she's had to deal with and seek therapy for. This is a really interesting conversation about how she's worked to overcome much of that to be in a much better place now and how all these issues have intertwined and affected relationships with others. We're in the midst right now, as you probably know, of a global pandemic known as coronavirus or COVID-19. I hope you and your loved ones are safe and healthy. Many of us are living under quarantine, limiting our interactions with others, and living under the new term of social distancing. We're also advised to be careful of coughing since the virus spreads through droplets. And some are fortunate enough to experience working from home for the first time. Now, it might be too soon or or weird to think of the positives from this situation, but I can't help to hope that some of the measures being taken now turn into trends in the future that'll make life easier for us people with misophonia. Being more mindful of coughing, more open to working away from other people, and social distancing maybe becomes sonic distancing. Let me know what you think on social about how you're handling coronavirus and how it's affecting your miso. Are you finding it, are you finding your world quieter and with less triggers or are you more stressed out right now? And so this might be exacerbating your condition. We're on Instagram or Facebook at Misophonia Podcast or on Twitter at Misophonia Show. Let me know what you think. But for now, stay healthy and enjoy my conversation with Lindsay. Lindsay, welcome welcome to the show. Great, great to have you here. Thank you, Adil. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. Um, so yeah, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Like where, where is, whereabouts are you, uh, whereabouts are you located? Sure, I am located in Los Angeles County, California, Southern California. Excellent, yeah, I used to be in uh, San Francisco for many years, so uh, definitely miss, oh, nice. miss California. Where are you now? Uh, now in, in St. Paul, Minnesota. A okay. little bit, a little bit colder, but nice. um, much more affordable too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, let's go back. Like, how how long have you uh, how long have you had misophonia, or as far as you can remember? My earliest memory, I was probably about seven or eight years old, sitting at the breakfast table with dad, um, and hearing the sounds of him drink his coffee and have his breakfast. And I just remember feeling so miserable inside, like I had to escape. And uh, I, although I don't remember now that I speak with my, my sister and my mom about it, they tell me stories of me being a little bit older, 10 to 13 and getting angry at them, specifically my sister, me telling me telling her, can you stop chewing so loudly and me getting really upset at her and her just feeling kind of trapped? Like, what am I supposed to do? So for them to tell me those stories and me not remember them, it's it's like, okay, uh, my family's well aware. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that's not uncommon at all. Um, That, you know, dad in particular, you know, the family in general, dad in particular is, uh, was your relationship okay with your dad at that point? I mean, it was kind of young, I'm sure. It was, you know, I, um, so 
I can talk a little bit about growing up. Uh, yeah, please. I was born and raised in Southern California, uh, specifically Los Angeles County, and my parents divorced at six. So I was raised in two families. They lived real close to each other. Mm -hmm. So I, I split my time between both families. So my relationship was was decent with both parents. I had step parents growing up as well and step siblings and my sister and I and um, you know, it was just kind of just trying to fit in with everyone and, and figure out what my role was in the family. And, uh, but as, as far as my relationship with my parents, it, it was okay. Um, I, I, it was clear to me that they cared about me and they wanted the best for mm -hmm. me. Yeah. So all things, I mean, yeah, despite all, all that, all things considered, um, as good as it can be at that, you know, in that, in that situation. Yeah. And uh, so you're, you so you remember your dad, okay, your dad's triggering at, at, at around seven. Oh, how did you, how did you react at that point? You were, um, would you tell him anything at that point or were you, you did you remember acting out? I know, I know your, the, your mom and sister told you stuff later on. I'm wondering if, uh, if your dad, if your dad remembers anything from that time. Yeah. So I, that's, uh, that's a, that's not a conversation I've actually circled back with mm. my dad and, I, I, I would, I guess I would ask him at this point in my life if he remembers what he remembers. I just, I haven't had that conversation with him yet, but I remember, I, I do remember having uh, an outwardly emotional reaction, whether it's leaving the table or, or getting upset, yelling, um, yeah. but the, my memory is a, a little fuzzy. It's been a while. So then at some point your 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 sister your sister and your mom were triggering you or they just kind of uh you're mainly your sister and then your mom's helping bring bring memories back well they they both have separate memories mm. and their memories i don't have the same memories there's there's actually a not mm. a lot that i remember through high school um okay. as far as family and friends uh as far as misophonia goes i i don't have a lot of memories it was really most prevalent when i started getting in those relationships after high school gotcha. um, where it was most noticeable because i was really spending that one-on-one -on -one time with another person yeah um but I guess just to back up a little bit in in high school, I remember really trying to figure out who I am, trying to fit in, whether it be at home or with my friends. I can remember dealing with mental and emotional issues, um, including misophonia, mm -hmm. and it was and it was probably in my late teens, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. um, so depression and anxiety have both played a major role in my life since I was a teen. So, but I didn't get the proper care. I didn't see a therapist. Um, I don't even, I'm not even sure I talked to my parents about it. Or my friends and so 
Dealing... So you, were, you were diagnosed at that point by... Um... I, I want to say I was diagnosed shortly after... I don't, I don't remember when it was. L no, that's let's cool. say that's cool. yeah. um, when I actually brought myself into, uh, into the doctor to, to ask those questions, mm -hmm. but no, since I, I know since I was young that I've been, I've been dealing with those sort of issues. So when you, by the time you brought yourself to that point where you, you would, You'd gone through junior high, you'd gone through high school. Was it affecting um, your, your education? So I was the student who just barely made it, mm -hmm. but I didn't, I didn't really get in trouble. I didn't, I didn't really stand out. I just kind of got by in school. So I don't have a lot of um, memories. I, I wasn't very involved in school. I... Yeah, I don't, nothing really stands out. So just kind of getting by and trying to fit in, I guess, would describe my grade school years. Gotcha. But so, right. So you don't, you don't remember like, um, you know, misophony being a factor that, that much is more, there were other, other things going on. Maybe it wasn't, it wasn't so much like uh, necessarily sounds distracting you in school. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so then we are right. So you got to you got to your early teens, and you um, you um, you know bra bravely went went to a doctor to try to ask ask certain questions, and you 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 got these diagnoses. Um, were they kind of was that kind of a revelation uh, to you? Uh, was did it start to make some things make sense? Yeah, it's always nice to put a name to something, mm -hmm. um, and to say. To say, okay, this is this is a, a real thing. You know, someone has a name for it: um, the, the anxiety and depression. And but but at the time, I was picking up unhealthy coping mechanisms. Mm. So i i didn't I didn't um, follow through on the proper care when I was diagnosed originally. So at this point I'm picking up unhealthy coping, coping mechanisms like gotcha. using a self-harm. Uh, I picked up drugs at an early age. I was 17, mm -hmm. alcohol a little later on, mm -hmm. uh, getting into codependent relationships mm -hmm. and definitely compulsive behaviors like utilizing food and shopping. Um, I just looking back, no one ever, no one ever showed me proper coping mechanisms. It's, you know, it's, it's not something that we have in our education system. No, definitely uh, not. Yeah. Right. And it's not. Not to uh, the extent it's needed. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And then it's to talk about mental health as sort of a stigma. Um, so if that was, I don't know what it was in my family. My family, we, we did not talk about mental health. Um, and so I had to find these other ways to express myself and mm -hmm. to better. Um, so those were the coping mechanisms that I had picked up, unfortunately. And um, so you, obviously a lot, a lot uh, 
you're dealing with a lot dealing with a lot there and did you kind of like assume that um well i guess you probably didn't have an we'll get to when you found out the name is Savonia, but I'm, I'm assuming that you maybe did well, i don't want to assume anything but did you find that the uh your sound sensitivity sounds did you think that your sound sensitivities were just part of that bundle in some way yeah so what i've what i've come to find is during these years of using drugs and alcohol i was really numb to what was around me, which I can imagine includes the sounds. Mm -hmm. um, but as I grew a little bit older, let's say into my 20s, I, I started noticing it in my, in my relationships. I had, uh, I had a tendency to get into a relationship and move in with that person really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so being in a close space with a person and not being in a healthy relationship and using um, these unhealthy coping mechanisms, then I really started to notice these sensitivities that I had to sound. And my first couple relationships, there was no name for it. Um, it, it just kind of came off from my end as passive aggressiveness and just uh, not, not knowing what this feeling is inside of me and, and not knowing how to properly express in a healthy way what it is I'm feeling and, you know, not really knowing what, what the trigger is exactly. In, the, in these early relationships, you're, you're on your own. Um, did, you, it felt like misophonia, the, the sound sensitivity was kind of like coming to the forefront. Like, was it kind of like being a, a really major negative part of these relationships? Or yeah, it, and yeah. I, I, I think, I guess I thought at the time that I just really didn't like this person. Mm. And so my dislike for this person was um, showing, was showing up in whatever way possible. So, so I'm guessing the past aggressive, well... Yeah. Or the, or the things like you know the glare, the glare that we all do, <laughs> and uh, leaving, leaving, um, you know, leaving meals early, that that kind of stuff. Yeah, just yeah. not knowing how to express. Hey, I'm feeling a certain way. Uh, can we talk about this? No, it it never happens that way. <laughs> not at that well, time. Yeah. Oh, well, even yeah. I mean, a lot of us, regardless of our background, it's a lot, there's a lot of like because uh, we don't know what it is. It's like right. you know, it's, it's guilt and there's shame that gets all mixed in. We're kind of we kind of assume that it's just we're just being immature. Um, with yeah. these kinds of things that you were thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it turns into not only a feeling of hate for that person, but a feeling of hate for myself. Um, just like thinking, why can't I get this right? Why can't, why can't I just be nice to this person? And as a, as a person who was using all these unhealthy coping mechanisms, my head wasn't clear to, um, to come to the conclusion that, or to, to seek help, I guess. I was, my head was just so clouded and with, with hate and worry and shame and guilt and, Ugh. Yeah, um, I mean, we know stress makes stress uh, amplifies misophonia, and I, I can only imagine all these other um, issues that you're dealing with just um, just amplified that much that much more. I'm sure it's, that was the last thing you needed was misophonia 
on top of all this stuff for yeah, to kind of grow. What happened next? Did you did you find out what did you start to find out what misophonia was? Did you, did you do some research or hear about it? Or uh, I'm curious where, where this went next. Yeah, so it was I guess it was about 2017, just a couple years ago. And I was in a relationship at the time and my partner sent me a link to an article and said, everyone gets that link. Yeah. Yeah. It was an article about misophonia and said, I think this is what you have. And uh, I opened it and sure enough, that was it. Uh, every every bullet point that was described. Do you remember me. which article that was? I don't mean I don't mean to like uh, this is a big moment, so I'm just curious. Uh, I know. What you know article, what? In, yeah. Before we before we got on the call, I tried to look it up. I, okay. I couldn't find exactly. There's not a lot out there, so no, no, and they all kind of look the same. It's got some idiot with their hands on their uh, ears, <laughs> and uh, and there's some clickbait title that all. It's just a. Uh, variation on the last one so um, it was yes something exactly if you find it later we'll we'll put it in the show notes at whenever yeah yeah uh, absolutely um so i i'm a researcher so i instantly went to find everything i could online about it you know it's it's uh origin i realized how new it is and that um i was like is this even real are they just trying to put a name on it you know i still had reservations and doubts about it but it it did feel really good to have a name to it and at the time it having those articles and a a little bit of information empowered me to share that with my parents and my sister um because i i hadn't lived with them for many years at the time so just it wasn't it didn't come up in conversation um and i was able to say check this out i have this and then that's kind of when the stories came out about them remembering when i was younger Mm. and um so so having a name to it was really nice to to be able to talk about it with people who i'm closest with yeah i mean Um, that's great you did that research i mean that at least for at that point, it didn't seem like you were um, too clouded. It seemed like a very lucid, uh, lucid, and uh, uh, a great, uh, great bit of research on, on on your part. Did you did that make you feel? I, I know for a lot of us, when we find out it has a name, it kind of um, I don't want to say deadens the. Uh, it, it kind of it kind of makes it more bearable a little bit. I feel like. Um, yeah. I don't know yeah. how far you got in terms of finding out maybe other online communities, but did did you did you get that far? Like. Um, um, hearing about, I don't know, maybe convention or, or you know, Facebook groups or whatnot? Yeah, so I, at, at the time, and I still don't have uh, social media, um, so not, I was... not a bad thing. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Um, so, so I wasn't able to connect that way, so okay. it was a little challenging for me to find information. I think at... Uh, yeah, I, at the time, I wasn't able to find any type of support group or mm. convention. It's possible that uh, is the convention every two years. It's every year. There was one year. I mean, it didn't start that long ago, but there was one year that they missed it uh, for some reason. So it might, it might have seemed like every two years, but yeah, it's, it's an yeah. annual thing. 
So, um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't able to find anything and I looked for, uh, doctors or mm, mm-hmm. psychiatrists who specialize in it. And there's, um, I, I don't remember names, but there's, there's one here in Southern California, but it was like, I didn't have the right insurance and it was going to be too expensive. Gotcha. Yeah. So. I didn't follow through with anything. So my, my next best shot was to talk to my therapist and my psychiatrist and no one knows what it is. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I, I found myself, uh, I had a therapist at the time and I found myself bringing in paperwork to her and uh, I, it was like a one-time conversation and then it never really got oh i think they gave me some medication like here maybe this will help and so okay yeah Hmm. yeah and um uh it was uh, you know what it was an antipsychotic um like a really mild antipsychotic like here maybe this will help and whether or not it helped i don't know because i was like thorazine or something like that some old school thing something and um and the and then they never brought it up again uh, because it's always this awkward thing like i found out that i have misophonia and then they just look at me with the blank stare it's great to hear people like you who actually like bring it up at least i mean that's a that's a huge step so yeah definitely in the past couple years i've realized especially when it comes to therapy and going to the doctor i really have to advocate for myself and if I am the one to educate my doctors uh, about misophonia, or at least throw the word out there so people are hearing it, that's that's the best I can do right now. Um, that is amazing. Yep, I, yeah. I totally agree. And so, okay, so you're um, just just back up a little bit. Your uh, your partner at the time, he, you know, he or she um, sent this link to you. Uh, what were some of the um, do you know what his mem- or her memories were at that? Um... So we never really had a follow-up conversation, and wait, he gave me this link, and you never heard from him again, or uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't really remember what the follow-up conversation okay, gotcha. was. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, and I don't. I, I mean, obviously, I had expressed some. The glare and all that yeah yeah, yeah yeah all all of those um about around eating and so um uh let's see yeah so i it, it was kind of like a short conversation about it like oh yeah, yeah thanks for sending that to me that's definitely what i have and I'll tell my therapist and, you know, try to find, try to find the cure for it. Gotcha. And so, uh, yeah, I guess we didn't talk about, um, without getting too much into triggers, it was your, your, uh, your, the basic mouth and eating food related kind of stuff, I would imagine. Yeah. So at, at this point, definitely anything to do with eating, um, drinking, I'm also, I'm, I'm still currently, but at the time I was a college student. So being in the classroom was yeah. 
so challenging for me. And and like like I said, I, I don't have much memory in grade school, but as a college student, I definitely have mm-hmm. vivid memory of not being able to focus. Uh, so once once I found once I found out that it was misophonia, I was trying different things I found online like earbuds or earplugs. But you know, ear earplugs will drown out a lot of my trigger sounds, but I miss a lot of points in class. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really challenging for me trying to walk that fine line between feeling okay and also being able to still learn in a classroom setting. Yeah, that's that's tough. Uh, yeah, no, especially noise counseling. That could cancel everything out. One thing, um, one thing I, I um, heard in one of these interviews, um, I don't know if it's aired yet, but uh, someone was talking about it, just uh, going up and putting a micro, like a very um, a unidirectional microphone right at the front of the class that point that that, dr- mm-hmm. that basically only picks up the professor's voice, and so maybe That's recording brilliant. that, and then um, you know if 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 it gets nasty, just get out of there. But, uh, you know, leave, leave that, get that recording at least. And it's, um, these micro microphones, these days can be so focused that they can like only pick up what you're pointing at and kind of like in, um, you know, they use them a lot in like movies and whatnot. Um, that might be one thing that's, that's useful. Um, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. One thing I would say about that is missing out on the conversation in the classroom. Yeah. Um, gotcha. I, the, the, the school I'm at now, we have really small classroom sizes. So a lot of the classes are focused around discussion and questions. Mm. Um, so I could imagine missing out on what other classmates might be saying. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a fine line, but uh, I I don't have any more classroom time. I'm in my graduate degree. So wow, okay. everything, yeah, everything is done from home now. So well okay yeah so uh and was that by was that do you think that was kind of by choice that you kind of moved to a more uh at home kind of environment or was it just part of the program you're in it was i think it was just a part of the program i was in um because i i really do think that i learned better in a classroom setting and being able to be engaged in those conversations that's part of what i really love about going to school and learning. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really, really disappointing when something that I love so much is, is painful to me. Um, so like being in a classroom, I, I love educating myself and I love talking to other people um, about these topics and it's painful, it's, it's really difficult. Have you thought about what you want to do after you um, after you're done with school um, in, in terms of the environment you want to be in, or um, yeah, do you have choice and yeah. uh, and whatever uh, you uh, career yeah. you want to go? Yeah, I've I've definitely thought about that, and um, my my goal I want to serve LGBTQ populations mm-hmm. um, primarily to support homelessness and mental health. So I don't know what kind of setting that will bring me into. It might be an office setting, um, but I think that's really gonna be, again, about advocating for myself and and asking for what I need in terms of accommodations. Um, Right now I'm in a great office setting where it's 
it's relatively quiet and I work very independently. So I'm able to put those earbuds in and, and, and put some music on or some white noise and um, just get to work. So hopefully whatever I do in the future will be, will be as accommodating. Yeah, I would imagine, uh, I mean, the, the classroom setting is not usually like the day-to-day -day work environment. You're not, uh, yeah. and so uh, I think, I think it'll, uh, yeah, I think it'll get better. And uh, especially as you're one to advocate for yourself. Um, I think, uh, no, I think that that should be good. Um, who knows? We'll see. I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, we'll um, see, we'll see. <laughs> how far are you, how far away are you from uh, finishing school? I graduated in May. Oh, awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, wow, close. I'm so close. I'm yeah, so this close. is great. Yeah, so outside of school, um, yeah, you know, we last left you off at the, you know, in the Middle East Codemented Relationships and your, yeah. your last partner or, or uh, former partner had uh, uh, opened your, uh, kind of um, helped open your eyes to mis misophonia. Um, how, how's how's uh, the rest of your life going right now? Yeah, so as I mentioned, that was in 2017 yeah. when I found out the name of misophonia. So um, continuing to have conversations about it with my family, particularly my mom and my sister. I just uh, I feel really comfortable talking mm -hmm. to them about my mental health. And um, let's see, so fast forward to 2018, last year, I, within a six month period, um, I decided it was time I had to stop drinking and using drugs. It was mm -hmm. a really big problem at the time. This was early 2018. And uh, so I, I, I started attending a support group for that um, and getting sober, I, was able to build up the courage to end that relationship that I was in. It was, it was pretty toxic at the time. It was, mm. we were four, four years into that relationship and I was able to end the relationship. I started the full-time job that I'm in now and I started my graduate program. Um, so a lot happened in six months. Yeah. Um, a lot of really yeah, 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 a lot of really positive things, things that are changing the tra trajectory of my life. And in that same uh, in that same note, that left me open without all my coping mechanisms to really intense misophonia experiences, um, mm. really intense mental and emotional experiences and challenges. Um, so I, so here I am without the drugs and alcohol and I'm, I'm dealing with uh, my depression and anxiety again, wrapped up with misophonia. And I, I finally went back to the doctor and I was diagnosed again, same thing. But I, I said, okay, I need to really start receiving proper support and care, um, medication, regular therapy, regular doctor visits. And uh, it was late 2018, just about a year ago, where I connected with my current partner, 
Um, so we're one year into our relationship and this has been my opportunity to really uh, in healthy ways communicate what's going on with me. Um, misophonia has definitely been one of our big topics. I, mm. I was really fortunate. Uh, he attended the conference with me um, this year in Denver and that meant so much to me like this is a relationship like i've never had before um, i went into this relationship really intentionally saying okay i have all these issues and you have your issues so let's talk about it um, and that's something i never knew how to do before um, as i was using all these unhealth unhealthy coping mechanisms in the past um, so being able to talk about it as it's happening so that it's so that I'm not holding it in is is really an incredible feeling, whether that's with my therapist, with my partner, with my family. Um, it's all new to me. Um, and I, I can't believe it after I'm 33 years old now. So after so many years mm -hmm. of this buildup, um, it's I'm finally I'm finally figuring myself out um, after trying for so many years to figure out who I am. It's really incredible. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So, 2018, huge pivotal moment, uh, well, year in your life. So when you when you uh, went to, when you went into um, uh, your your program, mm -hmm. um, it sounded like misophonia and a few other things were becoming more acute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I had mentioned earlier using to drugs, yeah alcohol. to kind of cloud things right so yeah yeah and so now everything is very clear and yeah. it's like oh yeah i live with anxiety yeah. and i have misophonia like that's gotcha. very clear to me now so really it being really in my face and um i'm i'm trying to be really honest with the people around me Misophonia is still a fine line that I walk. I still, I don't know how to have those open and honest conversations with everyone, like my friends, my coworkers. I don't really know how to have those conversations. There's no without, script. There's like a, there's kind of like a script yeah. for a lot of other things. And uh, we're kind of like sh shooting in the dark. That's right. Absolutely. And so like I, I mentioned, I, I want to advocate for myself, but I also... I don't want to burden anyone and I, um, yeah, and that comes back to the whole shame guilt kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's still there. It's still there. So wait, when you, so you, you, um, you entered a relationship about last year. How long did it take for you to bring up misophonia? I think I, I was went there a into sound and you're like, went into a rage and that's how it started. Or was it, uh, <laughs> was it, uh, okay. Before anything happens, I want you to know. I think it was that, <laughs> that second option. Oh, wow. I, okay. I, very mature, very mature. Excellent. I know it's so unlike me, but I went in. I went into this relationship really, really intentionally mm. to say, "I'm going to share everything with you because I knew that I, um, I, I was, if I'm going to be with someone, they need to accept me for exactly who I am, and they're not going to know who I am unless I tell them. Um, so." 
those were my intentions to be really honest and it's not always perfect it doesn't always go perfectly but but I did share my uh, my experience with misophonia very early on and we're still learning how to communicate about misophonia to each other um, there are some things that I still hold inside um, yeah. because I'm still trying to navigate um, what's appropriate to talk about and what's not and what I can deal with and what I can't. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot of work. It really is. It's amazing that you're, it sounds like your partner was at the convention. That's great. He was. And that was a really big deal for both of us. Um, it, it really meant a lot that he would be willing to just go and, and uh, learn because I'm learning a lot in the process as well. You know, we, we have talks about starting a family in the coming year. Mm-hmm. And so what that might look like, neither one of us have children. So if we have children, um, what does that look like? What would meals together look like? Yeah. Um, and one thing I really appreciated about the, the conference this year is one speaker had mentioned reimagining what family time looks like. You know, people, I'm, I imagine a family dinner where everyone is talking about their days and that's the bonding time. But I have to reimagine that because that might not be a, be realistic for my for my family. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there is the traditional sitcom sit down or drama mm-hmm. sit sit down and uh, hear everybody's spoons and forks and eating, and then there's the uh, and then there's the more general after school family time, which doesn't which meal could be just one part of it. It's also you know hanging out in the living room. It's uh, being in the kitchen for a little bit. Um, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Because I mean, for a lot of us, some of us, uh, I was talking to somebody and he, he's a dad who just kind of like, he's got to deal with his family. He's got, a, a, not to deal, he's got, um, you know, a, a, an arrangement with his family where he just kind of, uh, he they eat at the table. He stands kind of between the kitchen and the dining room and eats mm-hmm. standing up. Okay. Um, where, you know, it's, it's just your, he's still there, still engaging. But if, you know, if he needs to, he can just take a lap around the house and come back kind of thing, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And th- those are the things that my partner and I are, are thinking about. Um, it's really, really important for me to have these conversations now because I want to live a long, healthy life and have a healthy family and, and not, um, I'm, I'm trying to understand all of these mental and emotional issues as best I can now before yeah. I go into that next chapter. That's really smart. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah. So in your conversations with your partner, uh, are there, have you come to any like uh, strategies that you're going to uh, goals that you're going to try to um, achieve uh, you know, from, from a misophonia perspective or um, still just kind of like uh, uh, gathering information yeah, I, I think we're somewhere in between the gathering information phase and, and talking about what it might look like. But I, I really just, I don't know what what dinner time will look like. He and I have very different schedules anyway. I'll probably mm-hmm. work 
the the classic nine to five and and he works different hours so it, it might it might be that we don't have that time together anyway but um i think a lot of it's going to be learn as we go yeah so but but in the meantime while it's just the two of us and we don't live together yet but when it when it's the two of us there's just certain foods that we don't eat together <laughs> yeah 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 you know that's that's good to at least have that um awareness now and uh so it's not weird later or yeah, anything you have to come up with it's just like okay this is just the next step absolutely yes do you have any visual triggers by the way just to kind of jump around a bit but, if uh, i for instance, i was thinking about the fact that you were in well you're still in school um you might be at home more but um i was curious if you i don't know, try to sit at the front of the class or the back of the class or um it, based on any visual triggers yeah i like to sit in the front of the class uh it's less distracting um that's, that's probably would have been my choice too yeah yeah my my classroom sizes are so small now that i like i only have one class this semester and there's only three of us in the class so it's it's a mm. very different type of setting yeah. but but as far as visual triggers, if I see something, if I see a food that I know makes noise, let's say it's a bag of chips or an apple, I'm waiting the entire time for that person to pick up that food and eat it. Yep. I'm not focused on anything else, just that food. Yeah, because that food, that, that, that act is going to somehow destroy you, destroy you completely and kill you. And that's what your brain is telling you. <laughs> it's yeah, like, uh, yeah. it's just anticipating that sound, um, unfortunately. Absolutely. So um, other visual triggers might just be the, the, the open mouth kind of messy right, eating. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Visual triggers. Um, there's certain ways of eating um mm. throwing throwing food into the mouth um let's say someone's eating grapes and they're throwing the grapes into their i don't know there's something about okay throwing yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we can go on right yeah we can go on and on okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah typical typical visual triggers um sure. yeah, there's a couple other things that, that yeah that's noted noted down you said that okay so you obviously very open with your family and your partner um tell me again about like a like friends um you know as you're you're socializing does it um may have covered this before but does it uh do, do you are you proactive with them as well do they know do many of your friends know or do you tell new people so my my primary group is the folks that i met in uh this recovery program that i'm a mm -hmm. part of that's my my main support system outside gotcha. of family and i've shared with them as a group uh about misophonia but it never i i don't really have the one-on-one -on -one conversations gotcha. um, i do have a friend i i spend some time with her um she's one of my primary sources of support and she knows but it's it's let's say i'm triggered by some noise it's it's hard for me to just point it out right away yeah but 
So when the conversation does come up, it's kind of like an awkward exchange. I know she wants to support me and I know she's here for me no matter what, but I, I don't know. It's, it's just hard to have the conversation like, Hey, I'm, I'm triggered right now. Can yeah. we work through this in another way or whatever that might look like? Right. Um, so it always ends up some kind of awkward laughing situation. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, many people listening, I'm sure have um, been in similar situations like that. Awkwardly, awkwardly laughing through a uh, trigger interest. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so, Although- so, yeah. Although I will say laughing about it for me does decrease decrease yep. the, the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. That's something, yeah. That's something I've heard uh, as well. And I, I use it as well as just try to use humor uh, in whatever yeah. dark humor, like self-deprecating <laughs> humor, um, <laughs> but whatever it takes. Yeah. And that probably just tells your brain that, uh, okay, this is neither a fight or flight situation. It's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely. funny. Just, just being able to talk openly about it um, is, I don't, there's some power in that. It's pretty amazing. Well, cool. Uh, Lindsay, um, yeah, this is, this has been great. Uh, we've, uh, yeah, we've gone over a lot and you've, you've been through a lot and uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, things, uh, at least since 2018 have, are turning around for, uh, for the better. And, uh, and you're, you're, uh, you're, you know, you're going out of your way to learn about misphonia do you have anything? Do you have anything other things you want to you want to tell people who are, who yeah, don't have people I, to talk about? Talk to. Yeah, about. I, I just I just want people to know that they deserve to feel good, and they deserve to take care of themselves and seek support and advocate for themselves. Um, as we've mentioned, misophonia is relatively new there's not tons of research yet um, and support systems they're, they're out there so seek support advocate for yourself um, tell your friends and family because a lot of the times i think our friends and family surprise us with mm. how supportive they can be um, so yeah everyone deserves to feel safe and happy and and um, support it. So it's out there. Go find it. Yeah, well, and that's that's important. That um, we're we're not to make it a sports reference, but we're this one is really in the in the early innings. So don't be discouraged <laughs> if you get blank stares back um, or oh. people don't know what you're talking about. There is some. There is a change. There's there's a change happening, and uh, it, you know I, I I strongly believe like five ten years down. Looking back, hopefully just one or two years down, people look back and be like, wow, nobody knew it. And now everyone's talking about it or else or or people are just generally aware of it. Um, Already you hear you see a lot of sensory, sensory friendly nights at like museums, even grocery stores. Things are happening. And so don't be discouraged. Um, You know, there are people like you out there um, and their resources and they're they're growing. So um, things knock on what we'll are looking up yeah absolutely i just want to say a deal i really appreciate you creating this space for people to talk about their experiences with misophonia because there's not a lot out there so you're creating a really amazing outlet for people to 
seek support, whether they're speaking on your show or listening to your show. So you're doing an amazing thing. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's, that's the whole point of this. There's no real script here, uh, as you can probably tell from my random questions. But it's just, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're just trying to create a space, just trying to get it out there. And it's more like a misophone talking to other misophones. You, a lot of times it's like somebody writing an article with a really bad picture and a really bad uh, clickbait headline. And, and I just yeah. want to create something that's like to kind of uh, almost... Uh, Try to simulate or emulate the kinds of conversation that we that we have at the convention just kind of like people talking to each other outside of the sessions yeah uh, I think, and it seems to help a lot thanks Lindsay. this is this has been great and uh i wish you i wish you well oh thank you adil thank you so much i'll be in touch thanks so much for listening please find us on social media at misophonia podcast on instagram and facebook or twitter at misophonia show Tap the rating review button and give us some stars on Apple Podcasts if you can. It bumps us up in their recommendations so that more sufferers get to hear these stories. For now, stay in, stay safe, and enjoy the silence during these unusual times. Until next week, wishing you peace and quiet.